Hello, faithful listener. It's me, Charlie. This week we're doing the Twilight Saga, and just as I was editing it, I realised that we didn't properly give an accurate trigger warning around 53 to 58 minutes, where we do briefly touch on sexual violence, uh, traumatic pregnancy, and child loss. So if that is something that's problematic for you, either skip over or listen to one of our older, less touchy episodes. Enjoy! Did your Amazon costume come? Yeah. Well, my stuff to make my costume has come. Have you? Are you going to make it? Yeah. What is it again? What I'm are you going to do? I'm not going to tell you. Okay. It's either going to be terrible or it's going to be amazing. I'm either excited. way, it's going to be completely ridiculous. <laughs> I'm excited. Twofold now. Um, nice. Beautiful viewers, blah. <laughs> that was great. Ah, ah, ah. That was definitely making it into the introduction. Hello, and welcome back to the Vampire Book Club. Woo! We've been away for so long. I remember the last episode we were like, we'll definitely be back within the next two weeks, and then left it longer than we've ever left it. Crickets. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but we're finally back, people, and it's Halloween! Yay! Yay! So happy Halloween. Um, I'm furiously going to be editing this after we finish and hopefully get it out on the same day. And if not, then you'll be really, you'll be listening to this the day after Halloween, in which case it's a two day Halloween this mm. year. <laughs> this is the Halloween episode. Stay spooky. Yeah. And today we're, we're not doing Dracula like we promised. Which is a um, <laughs> formulaic. formulaic. Yeah. <laughs> Just vibing with our chaotic energy. Um, we will do Dracula at some point, but we're not going to do it today because, I don't know, Jamie just didn't want to do it and yeah. then dangled the carrot of Twilight and I couldn't say no. Um, so we are, we will come back to Dracula if you were really looking forward to that. But today we're just going to be do, like talking a very chill, unprepped <laughs> <laughs> look <laughs> at the Twilight saga, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited about because this book these books are the reason that I want to do this podcast in the first place. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and it's also our first vampire book. It is. Finally a vampire. Uh, Yeah, we're named the Vampire Book Club and we've done no vampires yet. So it's first all round. It is. Very exciting. Um, So yeah, today we're going to be talking about Twilight. And part of that reason is because I think that... I think that Twilight's interesting in terms of like its cultural relevance Mm -hmm. because... People kind of like it's it's so kind of crazily well known and was like, you know, it like if you say like sparkly vampires or like Team Edward versus like Team Jacob, visceral reactions. Yeah, like me. people know what you're talking about, um, and it like it's the first thing to really reinvent the vampire in like the culture imagination to that extent, like since Dracula, and yet people just don't take it seriously at all. And so today we're gonna well not. I hesitate to say we'll be taking it seriously, but (laughs) we'll be taking it slightly more seriously. Um, And so, yeah. Shall we very briefly do, like, a broad overview of... I feel like that's that's, uh, the best idea. The greatest idea. Okay, Jamie, what happens in Twilight? In, In the most simple way you can possibly put it. A teenage girl falls in love with a... 
a hundred year old vampire who also happens to look like a teenage boy um hijinks ensue in which <laughs> uh she doesn't mind that she's constantly on the verge of being eaten by him whilst he tells her how bloody delicious she smells <laughs> constantly they another group of vampires encroach on the teenage boy vampires <laughs> who my I, I have I've forgotten you know he, he lives, he well. lives <laughs> I'm doing great this is this is good and he's got he's got a family of um vampires that he lives with all of which uh, masquerade under the cover of being siblings that date um <laughs> and yeah they have their territory and then another group of vampires encroach on their territory uh, Bella's life is in put in peril because again she's just so goddamn delicious to every vampire that she runs up on and then they I don't even know where they drive there's like a road trip there's a, there's a road trip there's, there's a road trip montage then she gets thrown against several mirrors and then um, gets bitten and then uh, and then the poison gets sucked out of her I don't actually and then she goes to prom at the end so it's a great ending for all followed by uh, three books in which very little else happens mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> the formula is just kind of regurgitated, but with as she gets older, you know, like the... constant obstacles, like arbitrarily thrown in front of them that aren't really that bigger obstacles. They're just sort of like plot material to put <laughs> Edward and Jacob sort of like at odds or like competing for Bella's very boring hand in marriage. And a lot of it is quite drawn. I mean, in like in New Moon, like all that happens is literally like Edward goes away. Um, and then right at the end of the book, Bella goes on. Yeah. <laughs> and we just get, you know, lots of filler information about Jacob having the worst puberty of his life, <laughs> which turns out to be lycanthropy. So. Yeah. I'd made a you in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mike. <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, blessed Mike. Um, so, yeah, that's a, a very brief overview i mean if you don't know what it's about then where have you been Mm -hmm. frankly um but that's what we're going to talk about today and so we're going to start with bella swan um and to do this i thought it'd be fun to look at what the internet and like the the culture around twilight thinks of bella this is from this was last updated march 9th 2021 as well so oh my god so yeah no i checked (laughs) i checked the twilight wiki fandom Mm -hmm. uh, fandom page um and it's it's regularly having contributions I mean people are still coming up with fan theories I think it's so interesting as a saga because obviously it had it like it it was a cultural moment in I would say the 2000s but like it's recently had like a real resurgence because of like TikTok I think as well and like Twitter amongst the the young people the youth of today well yeah it's quite interesting because like it was like I remember it coming out and it was so popular yeah and then it kind of like became sort of uncool Mm. and then people kind of like you know, who had sort of grown up reading it in their, like, early teenagers, like me, introduced to feminism and then were kind of like, oh, my God, like, this is so bad. Mm-hmm. And then kind of, like, got over that. Yeah. <laughs> and now come back to it with a renewed appreciation. Um, and so it has this really lasting endurance. But being like Bella, part one. Okay. So, yeah, just editing this and I realised I forgot to actually mention that we are looking at the wiki how, how to be like Bella Swan. 
Number one, have confidence in your desires, no matter what the outcome is. <laughs> Bella doesn't have a very high self-esteem, but she still has the confidence to stick up for herself and what she believes in. But beware, you may end up with the consequences, like near death from pregnancy. <laughs> She's often described as stubborn, especially by Edward. Do you think this is true? Um, I feel like she is a stubborn character, for sure. I think that she... Is she self-conscious? Extremely. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel like she is self-conscious. I don't know, I guess I guess it is true. I guess I would say that I agree with with that WikiHow's assessment of Bella Swan I in like, the first point. I do like I do like the way that they've turned it around. Yeah, I like that. Have confidence in your desires no matter what the outcome is. Like, we can all learn from this. Yeah, you not can... just like, you know, the reality of what she's doing, which is like I was about to say being a dick. She's not being a dick. No. She's being quite a... Like, throughout a lot of it, she's like, oh, but I want to help, and so I'm going to actively put myself in danger instead mm. of just doing the sensible thing, and they're all like, why are you doing this, you idiot? Um, <laughs> I like that spin I like on that. it. Me too. The next one, two, be a clumsy, weak, frail, and accident-prone. If you want to truly act like Bella, this is actually pretty important. <laughs> Don't fall or break things of pu- on purpose, of course. But if you do trip or, trip or fall, shake it off and don't worry about it. Why? What? <laughs> I like. I don't know how that applies to like Bella Swan specifically. Yeah. Um, like if guys, if you triple fall, just like, don't worry up. about yeah, it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Some advice there. Bella is also described as being extremely non-athletic, which sort of ties in with the clumsiness. This is really true, and this mm. is one of the things about Bella that actually genuinely frustrates me about the way that Stephanie Meyer portrays her. Yeah. But you know the bit. There's a bit, guys. In the famous bit where she's like being chased in, where are they? Not they're not in Seattle. They're in the other, the other Portland. Portland. When they go shopping yeah. for, where they go shopping for their prom dresses, and Bella breaks away from the crowd mm. and is chased by like these potential murderers slash rapists. She's like clearly like she knows she's in danger from her life, and yet is kind of like, well, I can't run because I'll just fall over. Like mm-hmm. she's she's that accident prone, like that she's willing to like just walk quickly. <laughs> yeah. She's not. She's like, I should walk as quickly as possible without tripping over. I couldn't run because I knew I'd just fall over. And it's like I don't believe I like I genuinely don't believe that anyone is that accident prone. No, so if their life was threatened, they wouldn't try and run. Yeah, <laughs> like how? Uh, I imagine that she just sort of like gets ready in the morning by like tying her shoelace together (laughs) (laughs) Um, step three uh, assure assure your appearance is as plain as possible uh, but stand there like you're already just pretty I don't think she does that, but... <laughs> no. I think it's in the way that probably, like, Stephanie is, is writing her into... It kind of does follow that formula of, like, she's plain, but, like, hard as fuck. But I actually feel like that, that kind of, like, formula is more... They put that more into, like, her blood is so... Her blood smells so good. So as opposed to, like, oh, she's so physically beautiful, it's more like her blood... Is so, so smelly that, that, <laughs> that physically she I don't know must be beautiful to these vampires. Yeah. That's the way that I kind of. But you know, obviously, well, she, the thing is like because I've been reading Midnight Sun mm. presentation, like she is hot and like Edward like is completely like lamenting the fact that like he has to listen to like all the thoughts of like all the boys who are like oh my god she's so hot. Oh really? <laughs> okay, Midnight Sun context. Midnight Sun context. <laughs> but it's like it's just so it's like it is literally only Bella's perception that she like feels really plain and like 
boring and ordinary. Mm-hmm. So this isn't incorrect. But the thing is, she does... Con- she is constantly worried about her looks. And this is something that's really, like, not made... Like, it, the, the, like Stephanie Mayer really tries to brush over this mm. in the same way that she really tries to brush over the fact that the Cullens ha- are, like, fucking loaded. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> she's always like, oh, yeah, the Cullens had all this money in this massive house and, like, all these fancy cars. But, like, oh, they didn't care about it. And it's like... Mm, 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 mm. 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 <laughs> um, it's kind of like that. Like, we always get a description of Bella's wardrobe and what she's wearing her hideous wardrobe yeah yeah she's always thinking about her clothes Mm -hmm. she also notices edward's clothes quite a lot she does Um, she's always got the pea coat the pea pea coat (laughs) haunts me that pea coat that pea coat isn't in the book instead i think in the book it's um a a brown leather jacket oh is it a cream turtleneck really (laughs) yeah i believe so i feel like the peacoat is just such a part like such a part of the image of edward i hold in my mind that i was like yeah the peacoat has to be in the books the peacoat has got to be part of the canon the literary canon (laughs) Uh, i i do want to talk about actually because like the way that the films like really heavily influence our perception of the books like i was really surprised like coming back to these and like reading them and being like oh that's not actually in the books but anyway we'll talk about that Mm -hmm. later um (laughs) but like she is like concerned with that like when that's what I was thinking. When Edward, like, when she discovers that Edward has been, like, breaking into her room at night to watch her sleep, <laughs> um, she is immediately like, oh, well, I need to get some new pyjamas because my pyjamas are really, like, gross and, like, hideous. Um, so, so she is, like, concerned. Like, it's, it's not, like, you know, Bella tries to make you believe that she doesn't care about her looks, but she does. But it's so frightening, the idea that you can't... You, you you have to be constantly ready to be gazed upon, so therefore you can't even wear, like, some crappy pyjamas. Like, I feel like the pressure of being... would kill me, I feel like. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, we'll get on to the fact that this maybe isn't the healthiest relationship yeah. to be when she's so constantly, like, anxious around him. Mm. But, um, yeah, like, also, like, the first... The, in the opening of the book, she's like, oh, like, I was wearing, like, my favourite top and blah 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 like she is like very concerned with the way she presents herself mm. so i think that that is wrong smear uh da, 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 da. <laughs> oh yeah she's also incredibly pale which stephanie mayer makes a really really she's incredibly pale and incredibly thin like the way edward describes her in um midnight sun is really really weird and like uncomfortable oh really he's like oh my god she's so breakable oh my god she's so delicate oh, oh. I snap them like a twig which like plays into I mean this was written in like 2006 which was like obviously like height of like problematic yeah. diet culture yeah yeah um, but it's just I mean the thing is also though but she rewrites she wrote Life and Death and then Edith is exactly this described in exactly the same way in this really like really skinny Oh really? And yeah. then like Edith is this one this time that's like Yeah, like Bo's always like, Oh my god, she's so strong, but like and then he describes like seeing her collarbones and you can like see her ribs and stuff. And she's like so skinny and delicate. But strong. But, but really physically. strong. Yeah. And it's like well <laughs> Whereas Bella literally it, you know, does look like she could be blown over. That's fucking crazy. I didn't know that um the books went to that length again because I can't super remember them that <laughs> to to describe how thin she was. Well, yeah, I mean... But it does make sense, because that was the look, wasn't it? Like, in 2006, that was the look. Well, it's interesting, because, like, Bella, I don't think, ever describes herself in this way. It's only when we're seeing, like, 
Edward's perspective, yeah. he like describes this to us like in Midnight Sun, yeah. which came out in 2020. So like <laughs> it's kind of like yeah. she could have had literally anybody up until that point. And considering she doesn't exercise, I really yeah, I really... she's supposed to be extremely unathletic. Yeah, like... she can't even like she can't even like speed walk anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so like, God, it's like there's a real problem around Bella's body, and she likes to go and have blackberry cobbler with her dad on a Friday. Yeah, she eats she eats like quite a lot. Yeah, um, like she's really skinny, also really pale to the extent which is like. A, like thought to be pale enough for people to regularly comment be on like it. you're pale <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah the, the, one of the points here is be pale so remember to wash your face in the morning guys uh, and at night and wear sunscreen and it recommends here that sunscreen will also stop you from getting skin cancer it also said scroll up it said this this really is not essential essentially especially if you have a darker skin tone <laughs> Thanks. I love how this suddenly became like really yeah. easy. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like in, in the books, it's obviously like there are no black vampires. No. And then the film was like, oh, we've got to have some representation here. <laughs> um, okay. Be a very introverted loner. Mm. Point number four. Um, Bella is a quiet and timid girl who loves silence. She's a lone wolf who hates, well, not, as mm-hmm. it were, um, who hates attention and blending in with the crowd. If you are outgoing, however, you should not attempt to stifle such antics and realise that it is folly to even try to be anything that you're not. <laughs> they really said you can only... Like, there, there is a biological element to being a Bella Swan like if you are if you just happen to have gone through sort of like you know adolescence and turned out to be an extrovert give up on your dreams you will never be Bella Swan (laughs) you can never be Bella Swan do not stifle it because folly it's folly yeah (laughs) I love this I love this attempt to be like don't change yourself also if you want to be Bella Swan you have to be really quiet and timid exactly exactly. (laughs) take that take that with a pinch of she is really quiet and timid she's incredibly awkward and like doesn't seem to really know how to engage with people is my generally my assessment of her is she's like a little bit like socially problematic yeah <laughs> like she doesn't really understand like how conversations work often is very rude to her friends regularly she is rude um, to her friends <laughs> and so yeah she is a, a lone wolf and a very introverted loner because she just doesn't like people which is fine but it's like Angela I'm sure I think is supposed to be pretty quiet as well but like she's quiet in like a like a nice way that's like not self-involved or I think Bella is far more self-involved yeah it's so interesting because like in Midnight's Hunt Edward you obviously hear everyone's thoughts and (laughs) it's so silly so Edward listens to all of Bella's like new friends thoughts and he's like Angela's the only one who was like thinking something nice about Bella I should I should like I should like pay her back for this in some way and then proceeds to like set stage this scenario to get Eric to ask her out on a date where he really declares his intentions towards Angela (laughs) was it like Edward is like oh I love Angela basically yeah he's like (laughs) he gets Emmett to help him out and they're like sat in Spanish class and they like have this plan and Emmett's like oh like are you gonna ask Angela to the dance and he's like oh, I really want to but I hear she's really into this Eric guy oh my god <laughs> what, who, who's, so whose love life has not been tampered with by the Cullens that's like whose love life hasn't that's, been tampered with by the Cullens that's a really good point 
that's a really the werewolves. Point. The werewolves are the only people whose 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 love lives. That's are actually quite interesting because they all. Well, we'll get onto the mm. problematic relationships of the dynamics between the walls, but yeah, no. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So it, like, Angela's the only one with anything, and he's like, oh, like I really like Angela. She's really great. Obviously, he can't hear his Bella's thoughts, but he's constantly like, as he's like talking to her, trying to like understand her and like rationalize like what why she does the things she does because he like he, she's so incomprehensible. She doesn't act like anybody's ever met. <laughs> um, and there's like. The point where he's, like, talking to her about, like, why she came to Forks, he's like, oh, my God, I finally understood her. She was completely selfless. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> misunderstood somebody here, Edward. Like, okay. Um, There's nothing more fun about a friend who acts like they don't like you, doesn't want to go anywhere with you, and, you know, it's like when they went to, like, La Push, and it's like, I don't think for the first movie she shows one ounce of sort of enthusiasm about hanging out with her friends and or being around her friends. And she's even nicer in the films than in the books. Yeah, the books, yeah no, like, I bet. genuinely, like, miserable all the time. <laughs> and it, like, refuses to speak to anyone or, like, engage with them in, in any kind of conversation. Oh, it's, it's so integrated thinks into, like, emo hor- culture. Yeah, thinks horrible things about most of her friends. Like, she's really horrible to Jessica, who's, like, one of the people who's, like, regularly nice to her. Yeah. And, like... And even if Jessica is thinking horrible things about Bella, the thing is about thoughts, Edward, is that they mostly stay inside human beings' head and you can choose to not say them if you don't want to. Yeah. So just because somebody's having bad thoughts <laughs> about someone doesn't mean that they're a bad, a bad person. person. And also, Jessica's thoughts like aren't really that bad like she's she's like love movie Jessica by the she, way she, love movie oh my Jessica God. that one scene where the they're like movie? walking down the street where she's like like I get you're depressed or like what, what when they she, make yeah. like valedict- valedictorian I was like yeah. that is Jessica's that is Jessica that is Jessica, that is Jessica. I hope not she valedictorian the gets, she goes on she to a good college because Stephanie May really hates Jessica mm. and it's like uh, literally why like the film really gets her in a way that Stephanie May just doesn't mm. but anyway yeah so like she's an introverted loner she's really mean to all of her friends mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, if Edward really wanted someone selfish he should have gone for Angela yeah uh, is what we're saying he should have he should have gone for Angela he should have said no Eric I'm taking Angela just because design. Angela is bookish and probably normal looking and not a <laughs> uh, and not a, yeah <laughs> okay be curious Bella is very curious loving headstrong sometimes sarcastic Okay, this is a lot of information all of a sudden. Uh, uh, persistent with meaningful things, Love not materialistic items. She is, she is, she's very true. materialistic. Like one, I think there's like literally a point in Eclipse where what's her face. Oh, Victoria, mm. like Riley, Riley, you know, that, her uh, minion that has stolen her shirt and she's like, she's like, oh, I can't go to Alice's graduation party because I have, like, I've lost this one top and that's what I wanted to wear and I have nothing else to wear so I can't go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's constantly talking about... That the, old breakdown. She's constantly talking about the Cullens' house, mm-hmm. how amazing their house is. They have, like, loads of cars. She's constantly amazed by all their cars and, like, their flashy clothes and everything. Like, it's, Stop saying she's not materialistic, guys. Yeah. Stop saying she doesn't care about it. She does. She does. She does care it's about fine. it. fine. As someone who is very materialistic, <laughs> it's fine. But just Bring stop lying to me. Materialism. <laughs> yeah. Let Bella consume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're living in a material and world, And only guys. scared of things that she thinks will hurt her loved one's family. I feel like she was pretty scared of James when he was attacking her. Yeah, so, so people who are her, her, her loved, loved one's family, family, but it doesn't sort of include herself. Well, part like because like yeah. she's con- like the <laughs> well, idea no, is that just... she's constantly putting herself in harm's way because she is the what was it in like the the 
like the um legend like the the third wife or some shit like that. Yeah, to, which to be fair, she actually does. She does. Like she does consistently like she thinks about Charlie a lot and she actively runs towards danger in an effort to keep the superhuman beings out of danger. Just mm-hmm. <laughs> like so like it's just but to that she does extent, do that she does yeah but to that extent it's just stupid <laughs> it's just annoying because it's like these people are like literally superhuman with like year, hundreds of years of experience yeah. like what do you think is gonna happen to them? anyway um, <laughs> so yes she is curious she is materialistic and she is very selfless when it comes to protecting her friends but also in a really stupid way I think is what we've got out of that work hard in school this is the daily actions part so this, this is just what you have to think about on the daily to be <laughs> um, uh, number one you should be thinking about is work hard in school she's an excellent student because she works very hard um she was in AP classes. She was in AP science. I don't really know what AP is. It says study hundred, but then it also but, just says on the bottom, on, there's a bullet point that says, Bella tries her best at school. She doesn't do very well, though she also enjoys reading school books and doesn't have <laughs> other interests. So what is it? So what's the actual crack? Does she do well in the books? Is, well, it's so, it's like, this is the thing is like, it's, it's, very interesting in terms of like is is Bella a reliable narrator she doesn't see herself as beautiful but we know she is people see things in her and Stephanie Mayer wants us to see things in her that like just aren't there like she um, and like that she consistently like disregards like again like she's so materialistic um so like it's difficult to say because she's always like oh like I'm an average student blah 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 she's obviously in like what we would call in England like the top sets yeah <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't really know what AP class no, is neither do but, I. Like, I think people just say it in like Veronica Mars um, like, <laughs> um, and like she doesn't see like she like clearly like reads a lot for like fun she doesn't really like yeah. watch TV. She like likes to read the classics. But it, I think that impulse is so interesting because it's like very similar to like after, where like a character has to be con- has to not constantly, at least one time, quote a classic to you know really couch the book itself as in amongst like literature. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that monologue at the beginning about what is it that it's I think it's in the movies again I don't know if it's in the books the one that, about ice that she does oh yeah who is it? it's some like say a, the world will end in fire yeah. some say who is it that's Robert what I've tasted of desire a hold of those who favour fire I've watched the movie too many times yeah. um, what, who, I will actually find I thought we'll actually find it yeah but I think that the inclusion of um from fire and ice by Robert Frost I knew it was by Robert Frost I knew it was I did nearly say I thought it was Robert Frost but um yeah like I feel like the inclusion of like quotes from literature and or making your main character your your female your female lead uh a like a book buff is mm. so common like to be like it's yeah I so know I'm like a rom- it's like the same in fucking Fifty Shades of Grey which obviously is a uh, Twilight fan fiction so it's, yeah. that's why and they kind of like really hammer home the fact that this is a storybook romance which is why I think or like this is a, this is the sort of this it. is the sort of romance that could be written about as you know in a in a sort of classical formula or yeah. a classical or follows like a mythic formula I think I think it does include um, the quote for the book I'm gonna go I'm, I've got it I've got it over here somewhere I'm gonna go find it and have a look Blah, blah, blah. Where's the pref... Yeah, well, it starts from... Uh, okay. <laughs> okay, so is an, is another inclusion that we will probably get onto. It starts with um, a quote from the Bible, oh. Genesis 2.17, which I'll get back to later. But um, 
I thought it started with an actual thing. Yeah, no, you're right. It is really common. Like, it's really common in... It's always something that, like, Cassandra Clare does a lot in her books. Yeah. Like, she starts every chapter with a quote from some, like, famous work of poetry or whatever. I think... You know, I think it's actually really interesting. I think it can... I think, And I think a lot of people have taken it as being very performative. But I think the way that Stephanie Mayer... Stephanie Mayer, like, clearly understands literature. Mm. Whether or not you think she can... Whether yeah. or not you think she can write well and you like the Twilight books or whatever. I think like, she... the way that she includes the books in the novel is actually very smart. Yeah. Um, and the, I was thinking about this earlier because I was reading the Twilight wiki. And, like... Someone said that, because, like, you know, in uh, Eclipse, when she's talking a lot about Wuthering Heights, yeah. and there's kind of, like, she, like, Bella describes herself as kind of Cathy to Edward's Heathcliff yeah. slash um, Jacob's Edward Linton. And someone was like, oh, well, I don't agree that the characters are alike. And it's like, well, no, the characters don't have to be literally alike. <laughs> but it was like, it's interesting the way that, you know, she she's kind of self-aware of the sort of obsessive love that Edward and Bella share mm-hmm. and the way that she probably knows that, like, Jacob, you know, for those of you on Team Jacob, probably is, like, the more sensible, rational choice for Bella. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, for better or for worse, Bella will always choose Edward. It's also, you know, about the choice between, like, a, I would say a domestic, you know, the, the nuclear domestic unit that one could achieve with Jacob, which argue you know yes he is part of a werewolf pack which is already non-normative but like speaking in kind of like not speak getting with edward and becoming a vampire makes you well we say would have made her barren but she didn't didn't (laughs) intend to to get to get pregnant so but i do think it is interesting the idea that like marrying edward means that she's going to you know it's going to be so far removed from any sort of fam potential family unit or normative sort of like even heterosexual experience that could be achieved with Jacob. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's also true in the sense that like, you know, if if we think about the allusions to Wuthering Heights, she literally yeah. has to die yeah. to be with Edward. Like yeah. she literally has to. Um and so I think I like I do like I think that, you know, I mean, this this started as like a conversation. Yeah, between, I was like, just whether, like, whether she's like, whether she's good in school or not. Yeah. The answer is we don't know. She's probably good enough to like get into Dartmouth, is what I remember. <laughs> but what we've what we've come away with essentially is that um, Stephanie Mayer understands literature. Yep. Okay. <laughs> and that's how discussions work. Is that Be- her cleaning a piece of bread? Oh my god! <laughs> I thought that was her cleaning a baguette. I mean, what do you think that is? A potato. Listeners, like we're okay. We're currently on part two. Daily actions. Be helpful around the house, and it it's a picture of her washing a, a subway sandwich. Yeah, it looks, <laughs> it looks like a pita bread. It or does, like, like a naan bread or something. Um, Bella helps Charlie around the house and is and always offers to help. Um, if if you think this is written in two different, help if you think one needs it. A <laughs> vampire. So I like that there's a vampire writing this. Like, it's like this the um, the Muppets count voice. I keep doing that. Ah, ah, ah. Um, she does do that. And... Speaking of family units, their family unit is so depressed. Like it just reads to me as like this almost like genealogical like depression that she's like inherited from him because he's 
he's he's uh, <laughs> he's barely capable of looking after himself by the looks of like, Neither, like she, he's, he's yeah and he's like very lonely and then you see a lot of these things like reflected in in her well, perhaps like she's better at kind of like doing the like domestic kind of like well even then she's completely we're told that she's pale and you know thin so she's clearly taking care of charlie but not taking care of herself so it just the idea of like the swan household is this just kind of like strange space where two extremely depressed people like are inhabiting <laughs> it's just like and then a vampire yeah, keeps breaking in and like, staring at everyone yeah. <laughs> energy vampire yeah. uh, <laughs> edward's vibes are draining charlie yeah. um yeah no it is it is it is because it's like it's made out that like oh she has to she's used to helping out with her mother because obviously her mother's like again one of these superlatives that doesn't seem plausible to mm. me is like that her mother is so erratic in her brain that she couldn't possibly take care of a household yeah um which i just don't believe because like what did she do until bella was like able to like read yeah and stuff like i like of course she's okay um yeah, which I... is kind of one of those things which like makes me think that like bella is probably overreacting in those situations where she's like, is oh Twilight God, telling us that if your parents if your mother isn't a homemaker and your father isn't a good paternal figure your darling child might go off and wed a vampire do you know what I don't think that's far from the truth <laughs> I don't think it's far from the truth if and the- I, I'll get on to like the way that the the Cullen family unit is just like a, a, like the perfect ideal for like suburban escapism later but um yeah like, i can believe that like, without even you like, having yeah, to argue she does it. really judge her she just really judge her parents lifestyle she's like oh like charlie just eats in the diner every night and then watches the football with his beer and like oh, I have to at least he's either. kind of and trying like, to have fun yeah, bella and it's kind of like presented in this way where it's like oh i can't like she can't have any like hobbies or anything like that because yeah. she's too busy taking care of her parents um but in reality, she's just... I think she's just boring. Like, yeah. I don't think she has anything else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, so be helpful around the house, guys. Uh, read classical books of classics or books. Try reading Wuthering Heights or Anne of Green Try Gables. Re- Jane Austen, Shakespeare, Chaucer. I don't really remember when she ever read Chaucer. Yeah, since when has she cracked oh, out she the wife of Bath? Yeah, I don't remember reading Chaucer, <laughs> but uh, to be fair, I would absolutely love Bella's opinion on Chaucer. Same. Uh, <laughs> um, number four, bite your lower lip a lot. Mm. That's just... that. That's all the advice. <laughs> um, we've already been over the way she interacts with others. Um, be a, be a is always soft, gentle, reticent, peaceful, and diffident unless someone is mean to her or loved ones. She also stares a lot. <laughs> oh god, this advice. Mm. Um, I mean, yeah, she's a bit. She, you can't be a doormat. And what's the first piece of advice, guys? Have, Have confidence, confidence in your, your desires. desires. <laughs> Um, I think what we've come to is that Bella's a bit of a contradiction. Mm. And I think I've settled on the fact that I don't believe her as a reliable narrator. No. <laughs> no. Um, so, leaving WikiHow behind, because we could probably do a whole episode. Yeah, and we 35 minutes that we've been on the WikiHow. But we've, we've, we've done a good introduction to some of the things we think about Bella. Mm-hmm. And since she is the main focus of most of the books. which And we've done her relationships as well. 
Yeah. So let's just briefly touch on Edward <laughs> as, as a counterpoint mm-hmm. uh, before we move on to like the weird dynamics and like the relationships like within the stories. Seeing as you read Midnight Sun, what would you say are the like being in his head? What are his main <laughs> traits? Incredibly self-indulgent. Okay. Arrogant. Mm. Um. Does like he an over, like a massive overthinker? Okay. Uh, he. Does he, he feel like a Victorian man? Does it feel like you're in the mind of a Victorian... I feel like I'm in, in the a... mind of, like... You know, like, the kind of trope of, like, the old man who, like, <laughs> just completely disregards, like, youths yes. having, like, you know... Ah, oh, like, it wasn't like this in my day. Like, yeah. that's literally what he's like. Like, he has this really... Like, first of all, like, if you haven't read it, this is... The book is about three times as long as the original Twilight and that's literally not a joke because he doesn't sleep and also like the implication is that he thinks really quickly so like every like every like every conversation they he'll like he'll say something and then overthink that and then like the person will reply and then he'll like overthink that and so it just takes so much longer to get anything done um so it it is very self-indulgent to read he's like and like he Clear, like he has just it's like, so grim like he's like ah oh, kids today like, oh, like they're all just, like he's like oh god all the all the like plebs in my school he doesn't actually call them plebs yeah. but like, essentially like he thinks they're all stupid he thinks they're all like wasting their lives he thank god all, like, that bella got with him at this point because i feel like there's a real potential for like edward to if this is if it, what you're saying is true and i totally believe it is for him to be some sort of vampire like vampiric terrorist to be like fuck <laughs> humankind these technologies apart from my silver volvo suck and we're going in the wrong direction <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna bite everyone no he really is it's, it's a weird like conflict because he obviously like hates himself he can't see refers to himself as a monster which we like we already know from like the original twilight yeah Island. yeah yeah but then he clearly thinks he's so superior mm-hmm. to like anything anyone else is doing who is like human like he's not this is what I think is really interesting, like, the dynamic between him and Rosalie, because Rosalie, you know, is constantly described as being really selfish. I think in... in I sent Jamie, because I was reading Midnight Sun, and, like, on the first page, he describes Rosalie's mind as a stagnant pool. Um, um, And it's like, like, this is someone who he supposedly, like, cares about. Yeah, this is his sister. (laughs) Yeah, quote-unquote, yeah. He's like, so, uh, like, like, it's... The way that he, like, rationalises his monstrosity is, like... He, he still thinks that he's, like, better than the, the people his age who are human. Like, he doesn't... He doesn't envy them until he meets Bella and, like, wants to be human so that he can be with her or whatever. Um, but that's literally the only reason that he envies humanity, despite the fact that he completely hates himself. Um, whereas Rosalie, like, just desperately, desperately wants to be human and does, like, actually envy the people, which I feel like is a more, like reasonable and like also like sympathetic sympathetic like like, understanding yet Stephanie Merritt really hates her Mm. and wants to like her at all um but uh yeah like I think I I think that it's it's interesting like trying to understand the way that she wants us to understand Edward Mm -hmm. because he's clearly meant to be this like well, I mean, you know, she she compares him to Heathcliff. Um obviously it's not a like direct direct comparison but like this kind of very like iconic like trad romantic figure you know the mr darcy coming out of the lake defanged by the love of a very pale thin girl yeah yeah essentially like it's it's like how do you like take 
the sex appeal out of out of these really famous characters mm-hmm. and essentially it's to make him immortal and like really depressed about it mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the reason i say sex appeal is because this has like been something that literary critics in like the recent criticism have picked up on a lot is like the fact that it's on the surface i don't think it is on the surface like very very asexual like there's no kind of like for a vampire novel when when you think the vampire is meant to like often represents you know the bloodlust kind of represents like sexual lust and this like kind of unquenchable desire like for for something that has like this this uh heritage of like being really super like hypersexed uh like connotations it's very not sexy like they don't have sex they barely touch without him kind of having a breakdown about it and being oh my god i could have killed you mm-hmm. um, and they, like they they don't kiss often um it it feels like it does feel like a very kind of like like you're saying like kind of victorian edwardian Attitudes. classic courtship yeah. of like you know they they do have one discussion about sex which is they're like <laughs> well actually they have two and one of them's really awkward is that the first one takes place in Twilight and it's the longest and most boring scene out of all the books, which is when he, she has seen him, like, she, they go out and he, they're in the meadow and she, she sees him, like, sparkly. They go back and then he's like, oh, I never, I don't actually have to ever leave you because, like, why would I? I'm always awake, I'm a vampire, well, I can just stay I'll in your room go. forever. Yeah. And she's like, oh, okay, but, like, I can't sleep now because, like, I'm really agitated by the fact that, that I know you're, like, going to be watching me. And he's like, oh, well, what would you rather be doing then? And then there's, like, a kind of, like, extended pause where it's kind of like, mm, sex? And yeah. then she's like, I just want to find out more about you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, what would you... Yeah, it's like dot ellipsis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're both really awkward about it. And then the next time is basically like when he's like, no, not not until we're wed. Um, which is uncommon for most, especially like teen vampire fiction, but like just vampire yeah. fiction in general. It really removes the sex from it. Yeah. Um, and he's kind of like this very like asexual, repressed character. And I have my theories about why that is. I think he's gay. <laughs> I love that. I can get behind that. I mean, that. he's an absolute queer icon. And again, this is another thing that people are like, oh no, it's it's really like heteronormative for a vampire novel. And my response to that is like, it's about a sparkly 17-year-old boy who's hiding his true nature at the behest of three fabulously dressed Italian yeah. men. <laughs> like, it's so gay. What are you talking about? <laughs> who, want to take, who want to take him in and like usher him under their wing, essentially. Yeah, as yeah, well. exactly. yeah, who want him to be a part of their cover. Yeah. Like, like, family. Like, it's very gay. It's very gay. Um, and it's all, I think it's also, like, very sexy. Like, people have pointed out as well um, that it could, like, it's potentially, like, not a particularly feminist, like, book or doesn't present a very mm. feminist philosophy in terms of the fact that, you know, and it, under the guise of, like, Edward having to be in control all the time, mm-hmm. he is in control all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't really have a say in anything. Um, and it's kind of, like, has to do what he tells her, essentially. Yeah. But I think that's quite kinky. Yeah! I think that's very kinky. I think it is. And I think that it's kinky because, like, I think it, the reason it's kinky, I think the reason it works as a representation of kink, where, for example, like, Fifty Shades of Grey maybe falls down slightly, is that 
like the fact that they never show the sex like the fact that there is no there are like the boundaries can never be broken down because they're not actually having the sex that they're like yeah like recreating yeah i mean the sex part of sexuality doesn't just start when the clothes come off (laughs) i think it's very unimaginative to think to think in those ways because like you said like twilight is filled with not just yearning and longing but i would say sexually charged moments like that sexually charged moments like that and also like a constant undercurrent of like sexual economy Mm -hmm. that bella really refuses to engage in like if you think of like when she like first comes to the school and she's like um oh like uh you know all these boys are like trying to ask me out but she keeps getting asked out by all these boys and she doesn't want any of them no all these all these teenage boys who are her her own age yeah like want to engage see her as like a woman in a woman's body and kind of want to have a bit (laughs) have a try and she really really rejects that and she rejects like the um the kind of like puberty and kind of like growing up into this like inhabiting this like female body is really really problematic for her Mm -hmm. and like her anxiety around aging is like obviously really prevalent throughout the whole thing but the way it like manifests in like her body and how she doesn't want like when it's her birthday and new moon she doesn't want to be a year older than edward even though edward's like 109 yeah it's like but she's like she's like physically i am a year older than you and like the way that that manifesting to her body as something that's uncomfortable for her owning this like woman's body that she really wants to reject yeah um in favor of essentially what what she thinks is turns out to be wrong but a sterile dead peter pan figure yeah can never grow up yeah um um it's it's really interesting in terms of like that kind of sexuality uh because yeah like i say like she's trying to disengage from it yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's i do think as well like the I, like especially you're saying like 17 and i i do think obviously because like robert patterson and Kirsten stewart do not look 17 if you actually think about the the the, the because like you said like the the book sorry the movie just has such a sort of like like is diffused so much into the imaginative consciousness of these characters like if i were to read twilight the book again i would be imagining robert patterson as edward and no amount i feel like of imaginative sort of like upheaval could ever strike (laughs) ever cast him as somebody else in my mind god forbid like somebody that looks like a 17 year old as well considering all of the things that actually happen but also it's like how do they get past customs are people not like where the hell are your parents well, they get, you know they what get, I mean? They get like, Jay Janks, my favourite oh, character who's never talked they about. They do get Jay Janks, but like... <laughs> are they not, like... I'm just imagining, like, the airport security just being, like, these two... Because, you know, like, actual 17-year-olds look like look like kids. They're like children. Yeah. Carl almost, like, looked like an absolute trafficker. Almost. He must do, yeah. <laughs> Charlie just walking past, just being like, this is fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> I've got cobbler to eat. Yeah. I can't be dealing with my this. My little girl. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 84-year-old woman. <laughs> Yeah, no, like, but like, yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting. Like, yeah, yeah, thinking about it in in terms of like the sexuality of of bodies in this way, mm. how they don't age, how like aging is actively a threat, um, mm-hmm. how being of age seems to be like something kind of like dangerous for Bella. Um, in terms of, so would you if we were to rank sort of like uh, the things that puts Bella in danger? There'd be Victoria. 
the Volturi, the oh. ceaseless march of time. <laughs> <laughs> the ceaseless march of time, yeah. Well, it's interesting, she wants eternity. She just want, doesn't want to... Look like shit. <laughs> yeah, she's really again very like about that. her looks very concerned about her looks yeah. I'm not like, yeah it, it goes deeper than just like her being like I'm, like you know you might think I'm saying that she's shallow but I think it goes deeper than that I think it goes into like her worry about like yeah again like this looking older I think it's a form of materialism I think it's an objectification of the yeah, body inhabiting a male sorry inhabiting a male body inhabiting a a woman's body Mm. that is something which is seen you know by her peers by her male peers especially and even her female peers like Jessica and there's another character who I always forget whose name I believe is Laura because she's not in the films who absolutely loathes Bella and it's so funny but like she's constantly like you know, running into bumps with like these two girls because mm. they're like, oh my god, she's gonna steal all our men. Like she's so hot, she's gonna steal. Our... Blah, blah, blah. All, all the men like want her, and she mm-hmm. in, instead she like she, obviously she didn't want it. She was completely disengaged and engaged in this like life of like eternal chaste monogamy, essentially with yeah. a man who she believes can't have children, um, <laughs> and like will prevent her from ever having to like reconcile with being an actual woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, in in this relationship, she still like acts out, still acting out this really kinky fantasy yeah. of like that's very kind of BDSM. And I say that knowing a lot of people would be like, "This is an example of a BDSM relationship," but it includes a lot of the language that is re- and a lot of the kind of like rhetoric and rhetoric mm. and like allusions to this kind of like a, a, I don't want to say a subdom dynamic, but you know uh, this this kind of power imbalance yeah that is very like what's the word like in invested in this kind of very kinky world yeah. like, it really is um <laughs> like and the like if we read it in that way then it becomes like quite a, a a very different story in terms of the way we understand bella and the way we understand like women in the story because like if you think of bella as if you think of edward as being like because he's a because he's a vampire, obviously, like he's he is literally like this, these books are fantasy. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and they don't, like so like like for Bella, Edward literally is this kind of perfect fantasy mm. where they're engaging in this quite kinky dynamic. She that's what she's really into, and it's people can read it as being problematic, but I don't think it is because, like I say, like they don't have sex. They never have an opportunity for these boundaries to be broken down and at every point Bella's like I really like this this is what this is the relationship that I want blah 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 I do think as well like the uh, part of that as well is also especially in him like you said him Edward being the perfect man I do think like the two like you've written on the written on the plan two of the you know (laughs) two of the most important things uh just uh things that are out of her control that are just like I suppose, facets of her being is the fact that her blood smells good to him and he is incapable of reading her thoughts. And those two things that she doesn't... You know, it's not like having a bad personality or, you know, having to... Do, even do like a hobby or because she doesn't have any hobbies so like you know or, or, um, so it, she having these two things that are reliable staples like of her being... She, this, there's no way that this man can kind of fall out of love with her if she because these two things will always be there do you know what I mean like yeah. she'll, he'll never be able to read her well I don't know 
about when she becomes a vampire? If I, does he comment on her blood when she becomes a vampire? Does it become? Is it still? No, it's like it's not. I mean, like, I mean, it's it's never really specified as to, as to like what what happens what, with that. Yeah, what, what happens with that? Which I think is really I'm really interested in vampire physiognomy. Mm-hmm. I will get onto that in a second. But yeah, no, like like obviously she's just like that's that's the interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Then is because like it's when she's made a vampire, which is also coincides just about with when they have sex for the first time. Yeah. Um. Uh, after they get married and that is the point at which they're kind of like Bella is able to take a more active role in like their future um you know she engineers a lot of the plan like a lot of these plans like around like what are they going to do about the Volturi like on her own without him she kind of she steps into this role like as as his equal after like they have sex and it's like you know I mean, you've seen the films and how ridiculous that present mm. representation. The sparkles! It sparkles when she orgasms. Yeah. Um, but, like, um, but, like, that is, like, I think a fairly, like, good representation of a teenage girl who is... And I, I know I am aware that this slightly contradicts my earlier point about mm-hmm. her trying to disengage with the sexual economy, but um, like, I think you can read it as a good representation of... Uh, teenage girl safely coming to realise her sexual fantasies and that in turn kind of being the thing that you know makes her realise herself like as a woman I think I do I do do really agree with that I do think the moment when sex actually happens is really really interesting especially I'm most referring to the movie because I feel like that sequence from the moment they have sex the first time they have sex and you know she becomes immediately pregnant the pregnancy feels like what is pregnancy but not sex and during in a way <laughs> like because as well what follows is this kind of like you said like the these um vampiric moments where she's drinking blood for her child or for her fetus or whatever and then she the, the pregnancy ends in this like not just i would you know not like a a, a normal and quote-unquote normal birthing death but like this extremely you know and then the act of the bite which is also a sexual act so the that entire bit is where i think it becomes supercharged with not with like the actual so if if, if it's kind of like sex is sort of like an undercurrent throughout most of it it really sort of like breaches in that kind of like last section yeah it's it's interesting because like that like i mean the films and the books as well i the the breaking dawn as a thing is i i generally don't like it and I try mm. and reread it as little as I possibly can <laughs> because it's um no it's not it's not just that it's boring but it's also like completely grotesque like uh-huh. it's it's really uncomfortable to read like it's because it's obviously Breaking Dawn part one is this the one where she's well the book itself, oh the book is oh the book's um, all, all in the, one the, yeah, but, yeah. The, but the film I don't like watching the first film it's either it's not good because yeah. it's it's, re- it's really horrible because obviously like in, in the book like uh, there's the entire middle section, which is the part where Bella's found that she's pregnant, she's yeah. determined to have this child, she gives birth to the child, she gets pretty ill, she nearly dies, she's turned to a vampire, is all told from um, Jacob's perspective. and I completely forgot about that. It's completely... Like, the way he describes her body is so horrific and uncomfortable and, like, 
it, you know, he describes how, like, she's completely, like, this emaciated form mm. um, with this, like, grotesque, distended belly, which is, like, bruised, like, black and purple, like, entirely because, like, the child has been, like, kicking so hard. And, you know, she can't... She can't stand, she can't walk. Mm. She's basically, like, a living skeleton until she gives birth. And, like, obviously, like, obviously that's depicted in the film and it's, it's really uncomfortable to watch. But yeah. to read it is just awful. Like, it's horrific. There's a part in the book where, like, Rosalie, like... is li- Like, they have to, like, tear the child out of her. And, like, Rosalie, Rosalie has to literally, like, bite through her to, like, get in. It, or it's, it's really horrible. And I say this as someone who really, really loves gore in yeah. gothic fiction. Like, I'm very much into the male gothic. Um, but this is, like, actual horror of it. Mm. It's, like, awful because it's it's this thing where it's it's not even kind of... Like, it's not even, like, a kind of comical kind of take on... Like, this kind of hammer horror kind of take mm, on violence. Mm, mm. Like, it's so visceral and it's so connected to her as a woman mm-hmm. as like a woman who is like <laughs> do I, I was gonna say doing the duty of a woman obviously the duty of a woman is not yeah. to do birth <laughs> but like but you know in this thing that I like you know like generally yeah, only the female, female body experiences women's. and you know in this in this incredibly violent way in this way that has to happen I think it's definitely Maya's mind, in order to purge her to be ready to receive this gift of vampirism. Yeah. And it's the same with all of the women. Yeah. All of the female vampires have these terrible backstories. Yeah. Of, like... Violence. Violence. Like, like Rosalie is, like, trigger warning. Rosalie is, like, brutally gang-raped and then left for dead. Mm. Esme is, like... I probably should have done... I'll put a trigger warning at the beginning of this yeah, <laughs> podcast because yeah, yeah. it's, like... It's really horrible. Mm. Um... Um... Like Esme, like jumps off a cliff after her. She, oh, like, yeah. she miscarries or her child dies. All these things that are very related to her being a woman. Um, Alice, like, is so traumatized by her past life she can't even remember it. Yeah. Um, it's like, <laughs> and it's like for Edward, it's just like he got the flu. <laughs> yeah. He got the flu and it went kind of bad. Yeah. Jasper was a racist. Yeah. <laughs> and what did Emmett do? Emmett got mauled by a bear. Oh, well, <laughs> okay, okay. maybe Emmett can be invited into the feminine. But like, it's not. But like, it's not this kind of like horrific. Like, no, it's you know, not he got, like, horrific trauma. It's just like no. he got kind of bitten by a bear. Like, yeah. There's, there's, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> yeah. Boo-hoo, Emmett. There's, yeah, but there's horrific gender trauma that all of these female vampires have experienced in order to reach this point. And it doesn't even stop at the Cullen family. Like, I can't really remember them, but the backstories of the vampires who we meet who come to bear witness at the end of Breaking Dawn, all of them also have terrible backstories. Like, in very stark contrast to the men who are kind of, like, generally okay. (laughs) Well, it's like that Brie... What's that? Like, the Brie Tanner? Brie Tanner, yeah. yeah. Like, I can't even really remember her, but, like, we get one whole book, essentially, just detailing how, how tragic and terrible, like, being in that, like, newborn cult, essentially, is until she gets her, like, head torn off by Arrow. Yeah, it's like it's it's very strange, like how Stephanie Mayer really feels the need to really punish the women in her books mm. and consist like doesn't even stop at them being vampires. It's like you know, 
Rosalie is, c- is c- consistently punished throughout the books because she's ungrateful for being a vampire. So mm-hmm. it's like she, her punishment kind of continues into the afterlife, even though she's quote unquote received this amazing gift. Yeah, like, she's st- like she really doesn't want us to like. It's just very strange how that is like that whole process of like Bella giving birth is like this. It feels very like kind of like. Yeah, like a, a cult initiation yeah. ceremony, basically, into this very heteronormative Jesus cult, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is essentially what the Cullen family is. It is. <laughs> you have your Carlisle. Carlisle is a Jesus figure. Carlisle. Theory, which is bloody beautiful <laughs> viewers. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a million, like. I don't think it's. it's oh, it know. doesn't have to be watertight. No, 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 no. I think no. I think it's. I don't think it's. You know, something difficult to grasp. Oh but, no, like, for Carlisle sure. Carlyle is like presented as being like the way that they describe him. My God, like Edward's constantly like he is the best of us, and he's like <laughs> he's like this amazing compassion and control, and oh, like he saved us and blah blah blah. Vampire like, Messiah would be a sick metal band. It would have. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> like the way that they talk about him as this kind of like um, you know ultimate patriarch of this vampire family that's constantly like trying to atone for their sins and are like literally hating their the state as vampires. You know they they don't drink human blood and they think that their nature is awful. And I mean, Carlisle has one of the mo- the more interesting backstories which we hear very little about. But which is it? He's like so. He is born in during. He's not exactly sure which year, mm-hmm. but he's born during the. Oh, what's what's it called? What was that? What you know after the Civil War where we had the Interregnum? Is that what it's called? Between I think, the two kings. The 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 um, period where we had Oliver Cromwell. Yes. After the Civil War, the, yeah. the Protestant um, Parliament, the Roundheads, and whatever took mm. over and like deleted Christmas or whatever I can't remember that. <laughs> it's not a period of really well but <laughs> so he was born around then um, and he is first of all it's, it's, it's important to say that he's extremely young I think we have again this idea like from the films that he's kind of like a, get, like a presentation of his yeah. old he's only 23 in um, the books yeah yeah <laughs> he's 23 uh-huh. um, so again like this obsession with like youth uh, but anyway yeah so he and he is born into this Protestant family which is like they're not even pro- pu- pu- Puritan family are is, I don't know. It's Protestant, uh, I, I believe. They, well, they are yeah. Protestant, but I think they're, I think they're like the the more extreme. Oh, okay. Ones. Like Ivan. No, 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 I think they're. I think they. I think they are Puritans, and then afterwards they went over to America and did the whole Salem thing. I see. But, like, <laughs> um, but yeah, this like puritanical family, and his dad was a preacher, and uh, his dad like believed in the existence of vampires and would like take them take like a group of men like on these vampire hunts and Carla went on one of these hunts and they were seeking out this coven in a London sewer which in I, the what's the 17th century England would must have been disgusting mm-hmm. um, but, like, <laughs> and they fight and he uh kills Carlisle and turns him into a vampire and Carlisle has as far as I'm aware never tasted human blood because he upon waking up realizing that he's a vampire he's like Oh my god! Like he also has like one of like it describes like one of the longer like processes of like um, 
turning into a vampire because it's like he's like he only got like bit like a tiny bit right. so there wasn't much Enough in him venom. so it took him a long time to like change so what so I love also just the the, the, the I suppose like I don't know what's the word for it like the the infect in, I don't know the in, infecting process of that so no matter how much so you can get like a drop of vampire venom in your body and you definitely definitely will turn into a vampire it might just take like months I think like, so yeah. like a drop so there's no there's no way that like so if you even get like a teeny tiny bit you will become a vampire there's no way that you could get a little bit and it might just like pass out in I think in, like, so yeah I think so I mean that's the implication okay I believe okay um, I think that is the implication yeah so I mean, I, th- I think the other implication is that, like, the vampires in this are, like, so thirsty for blood that, again, like, another reason where at the end, like, there's only kind of two vamp- half-vampire, half-humans is that the idea is that a vampire could never... It- would struggle so much to consummate a relationship with a human because of the bloodlust that uh-huh. they, like, would just kill them. Right. Um, so... <laughs> That's testament to uh, our Bella and Edward. Yeah, yeah. It, well, it, well, exactly. It, yeah. I will get on... That's just <laughs> what I'm getting to. Um, and so he, like, wanders off into the wilderness mm. in this kind of, like, 40 days and 40 nights illusion. Okay. In which he, you, you know, it tries to repeatedly kill himself. Obviously can't kill himself. And then kind of you know so hungry ends up killing a deer realizes he can live off that and that's how he becomes (laughs) (laughs) he keeps you strong (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no and so that's how he survives so he's never drank human blood obviously has this you know um uh, amazing ability to like control his bloodlust you know, works as a doctor, mm-hmm. which I was thinking about your mm-hmm. theory that you told me, remember, like, last year, you like, I really like the idea that Cullen is, like, Carlisle Cullen is, like, really into, like, really old medicine. <laughs> just, like, has a... He's a pocket three in the back. He just, he's, like, a totally nice, normal guy, and he, he dresses like a modern doctor, but, like, yeah. Bella comes in with her, like, scratch, and he, he's just, like, the leeches will <laughs> take care of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, the stars say... Yeah. <laughs> him and his soft... Him and his, his lovely soft, soft, deep voice. Ah, your humours are under <laughs> We must get a pint of blood out of you. Come on. <laughs> like, I love that idea. Because, um, like, doctors are, are, like, regularly fired. Yeah. Like, at, 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 like, 60 or whatever, because they're, like, not up to date. With my yeah, mother. they're not up to date. How is Carlisle retraining? I wonder the practicalities yeah. of this. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he's, like, obviously, like, you know this healer um, with this amazing sense of control who, like, has cultivated this kind of family of essentially disciples who are, like, following his way of life. He's, like, a martyr to this cause because, Mm. like, it's, like, as far as we know, like, only two covens that we ever hear of in the books that, like, live this way and, like, most vampires do drink, like, human blood. Um, And it it is, like, this patriarch (laughs) just, like, he like moves his family around to like <laughs> and like puts them through this trial of like you you have to do high school again yeah <laughs> so stay here longer like <laughs> yeah, what if he has people that like are, if he sort of adopts someone into the family and they're like I don't want to go back to school how does he gently persuade them well this is the how thing, does he is program that, them well this is the thing is that they they kind of the reason they explain it is that they're like oh well. Because, like, Rosalie's always like, I hate going to school. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, the reasoning is, is, like, if they pretend to be younger, Uh, then they can stay for longer. Right. No, I'm with you. Um, So, (laughs) 
So, like, the younger they pretend to be, obviously, then they have to go to school every day. Um, which, like, when you think about it in those terms, is, like, fair about it. But it's, it's so weird. Yeah. Like, the concept of, like, this immortal family who's, like, going to high school. But, like, I think that's interesting <laughs> as well because, like, realistically, I suppose, it's a decision to live amongst humans. Like, they could probably... You know, they, they, they don't have to breathe. They could just live underwater if they wanted to and eat. Oh, my God. New book. Cullens move underwater, live off of sea creatures. <laughs> oh, my God, Atlantis. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Copyright here. You can't take our idea. <laughs> Cullens and Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> May give us rights. We will do things with the Twilight series you couldn't yeah. even imagine. But, yeah, the, the, this, this decision, I think, is really interesting to me, that, like, decision to, like, you know, going to school... To be like, oh yeah, we don't have to. That way, we don't have to move around. But that decision, the facade of like this nuclear family, the decision is to be near humans. They want to be live amongst humans, live around humans, but never ever eat them. And and Carlisle is aware that like even the interesting thing is like never ever eat them. Fine, but also not engage with them. Like the Carlisle are like outsiders in the school. Yeah, and also like Charlie hints at like they're outsiders as well, like in the community. Yeah. and people like don't really trust them mm-hmm. um, because like they get a, a no no something <laughs> spooky about that yeah. brutalist house yeah. that they live in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my god, the house! Um, Isn't Charlie just like yeah? Carlos like great. Yeah, Charlie Too loves great. him. Charlie loves him. He does love him, but I think the I do think like the it's like oh yeah, he's a doctor and, and all the rest of it. But yeah, every every member is and obviously the the like the Clearwaters and the um and like the Black family are like don't like them because they're fucking vampires. So I guess I mean, perhaps that's yeah. part of the like. I mean, um, I wouldn't try. Like, it's a twenty-three-year-old and his wife, yeah, who ha- like are millionaires, yeah, do- like town, like very successful town doctor mm-hmm. with teenage children who are all dating. Like, very weird. I, I completely appreciate people not finding them very comfortable. I to also be think it's curious as well that Carlisle's yeah, like yeah. Fucking yeah, go to school. You just ble- go to school. Blend in. Knowing as what well, yeah, like being like make, like we said, making the decision to live amongst humans, not eating them, but also not um, engaging with the community. Also knowing that like like Jasper's essentially like a rabid dog on like <laughs> like the, yeah. the red bear string because when Bella cut her hand no, on a thing like and she bled everywhere, he like immediately well, sort of like about this, went like, into the throes of of, of blood. Loss. I was thinking about this earlier. Like Bella gets a paper cut and he loses it. In a school, school three hundred people. You're telling me that for the past two years, not a single, single drop of blood has been spilled. A paper cut. Yeah. Me, me, telling me this. <laughs> me, like biting my nail until it bleeds. Like in, like, like, like thirty meters across the school. Yeah. I'm just like. I'm in danger. Yeah. You just hear, like, Jasper, like, like... In a school yeah. of, like, high school kids yeah. who presumably have, like, sports teams. Yeah. And, like, you know... And they're and just none fucking around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not one of them has <laughs> spilled enough blood to sort they of make Jasper, like... in the car park. Yeah. It's not safe. I'm and, like... <laughs> imagine if, like, that, that... I love the idea that, like, Twilight could have ended in the first, like, 20, 25 minutes if... The um, yeah. Bella, like he did not 
so Edward does manage to stop the car. Oh, phew, thank God. But Bella grazes her knee and <laughs> on the other side of the, just like runs at her and like grabs her by the head and pulls it off and oh. then credits roll. <laughs> That's actually interesting because it's it's like it's it's weird like how close Bella consistently comes to death at the hands of Edward. Yeah. That she like never knows about or his we family only find out well. about and we only find out about in Midnight Sun. Oh yeah, you said because he's li- like one of his excuses to his family is like, well, if any of her blood had been spilt on that pavement, I would not have been able to help back. Yeah, so, I would have freaked <laughs> I out. Genuinely, would have eaten her there and then. <laughs> so don't worry, I was doing us a favor, actually. Yeah, yeah like it's genuinely like sociopathic. There's like a point. This is this is really relevant to Carla Carla. There's a point like at which like when he's like deciding to take her to the meadow and he's honestly like, unhinged at this point and Alice is like like describes it in the way of like Bella like has to go to the meadow like her future is described as like a load of strings that are all like knotted in this one ball which is the meadow and then they like go out afterwards but like she has to like go through the meadow like she right. has to go to the meadow and 50% chance it she'll be fine 50% chance that you'll kill her but you both have to do this You've got to, to go find to out like <laughs> This is work for the yeah, last yeah. few books. I was like, no, this is how it works now. Well, Alice's uh, Alice's visions are another problem, which Stephanie Mayer does actually address in, in the preface. To, oh, like, did she? The, yeah, because she's like, because essentially, like, you know how, like, in the first one, it's kind of very much like, oh yeah, like she kind of gets glimpses of things yeah. sometimes. It's very vague and mm-hmm. controllable, and then like by book three, she's like, I'm watching everyone's decisions. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of, like, she's mastermind. As far away as Italy, and it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> Alice's power grows. Yeah, and Stephanie May is like, I recognise that this is a plot for Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Like, sorry. Um, but anyway, yeah, back to the Carl family. Basically, it's a really um, pseudo-religious cult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my only point. So what is the alternative for this? The Volturi. I love the Volturi. Can we please talk about... I love about the Volturi. The Volturi and also, like, them as a representation of... Because, like, it's very much, like, the the um, conflict between them, mm-hmm. from Bella's perspective, is very much stacked up as a kind of, like, trad, good versus evil. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, these people... They don't know what true love is. They're the, yeah. they're the real monsters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not like my Edward. <laughs> uh, yeah, can I just say, for the listeners, I love Arrow. Yeah, I love Arrow, too. Oh, God, I... Honestly, we went round to our friend's house and we all had a group watch session. Mm. Oh, it's great. <laughs> and we were watching it and I was just... And, like, everyone was like, oh, my God, the Volturi suck. And we were like, no, get them Yeah, off. we were like, you know, a Volturi defence squad. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I love them. The reason I love them and the reason I find them so interesting is because, mm-hmm. obviously, Stephanie May, like, sees them as being the the, the big bad yeah. villains of the books. But what they really are is, like, a... a bureaucratic mm-hmm. law-abiding body mm-hmm. <laughs> like, of, like who have like made this rule don't show yourself to the humans and if you yeah. don't follow it then that we'll puts all of you. our ways of life yeah. in danger they're just, look, vampires the, the, their, their whole point is that vampires need legislation sure they do eat a massive amount of people and I don't understand especially considering like again in the films we see that one I think it's in uh, New Moon where like as Bella's leaving the there's like party. a tour party <laughs> being taken <laughs> and, ah! 
Yeah, it's like everyone's eaten. But they're vampires. It's what they have to do. But and also, like, I don't know. I'm really interested in the logistics of this. Like, how do you just disappear? Not just one tour party. Yeah. Probably, like, multiple That's tour what I mean. parties. That's what like, I mean. Like, how is this not made into, like, the, re- like, the regular news? This, like, this, the, the, victim, the victims that they're, they're taking is just from this one city presumably in Italy well, no, where like, loads like, of like tourists and yeah. stuff oh, yeah, like tourists like in like Hawaiian people stars, disappearing like... in this one city in Italy and I don't know about you but I just wouldn't go to the store the, to the city in Italy where tens of thousands of people are disappearing and never being <laughs> yeah. seen again I just wouldn't and, go like, there no one's as a human about it. <laughs> on the human side of things I just wouldn't go there because no. if I'm sorry I'm going to come to ba- like come come to where we live and just start picking us off they're very much like no this is where I stay and this is where I eat yeah I love that and yeah. I I I, I really want to know more about how that works. Obviously, mm. Stephanie Mayer like has this very tunnel vision on like Ella's Be- Bella Bella's like <laughs> perspective, and so we very rarely like get an insight into any of the vampires' like actual existences. But I am so interested in like the logistics of being a vampire. Like mm-hmm. how like how are you gonna get like it's like you know in in um vampire diaries where they just like just are constantly raiding a blood bank, but then yeah. it's, like who's <laughs> Someone must notice soon that there yeah. are just bags and bags of blood. As the vampire population grows, someone's got like, to know. Yeah, someone's gonna notice. I'm always really interested. But anyway, yeah, Valjuri, essentially benign in my opinion. Yeah, benign and fabulous. I um, also think as well. I like the Valjuri like being like you cannot show yourselves to humans because I I can't actually remember. I don't know whether I'm just like pulling this from from my own just kind of theory but I don't know whether they talk about sort of modern technologies in the movie I feel like they kind of might do but like I can't don't quote me on that but like the idea that like I think that there is a consciousness that the Volturi have of that human technologies have kind of gotten to the point that perhaps you know the vampires aren't this like all powerful like undefeatable adversary for the human anymore because of like military technologies or such mm. like that so they're like hey we want to still we we want to continue existing don't fucking let humans know that we exist if you want to so keep this one, going they literally yeah. have one law There's one law <laughs> they're like eat well. um, so imagine if honestly <laughs> um, I feel like it would be more frightening to be a vampire if Carlisle had that kind of vol- like power like the, the Volturi have that, where yeah. he, that Carlisle's like everyone needs to eat animals just uh, yeah, everyone eat veggies. <laughs> like I feel like the Volturi are the most benevolent. They're like, yeah, you guys eat like eat animals eat whatever if you want. You want. We might come and try and steal members of your family, Carlo. But it's a pretty fucked up situation like, that you've got anyway. But they're also like, they try and convince them and they're kind of like, oh, we can't really do anything unless you do anything yeah. to break the rules. So it's just like, well, just don't don't break the one rule. Yeah. Don't, don't tell anyone, guys. <laughs> and yet, the reason I think they're really interesting is that they are presented as this kind of evil force in the books. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, it's, it's I think it's, my takeaway when I reread these um, for the first time since reading them, like as a teenager, which was a, f- a few years ago now, was that like it's 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 very um, it's very like it's very of that that time period, that neoliberal like pre- yeah pre- oh yeah you know run in the run up to the Obama years yeah you know, that, that is it reeks like, very that, like self indulgent like not really concerned about like any bigger picture, but I think when you consider what the Volturi actually do, how and how the 
vampire political world is structured, it's really interesting to have this essentially like like bureaucratic benign government which, which but like which insists on like you know kind of meddling in your life to a certain degree as being the villain as actually incredibly contemporary and like relevant to now like in terms of like you know yeah yeah the state's not doing anything mm. too bad theoretically and yet there's there's like this constant like encroaching on like the way that you want to live your life and like how that scene is like uh like threatening thing to like your way of life i think that's a very like modern thing yeah and like a very like real concern in what 2022 <laughs> so serious <laughs> um, like so i'm t- i'm still in 2006 yeah yeah i never left <laughs> But yeah, I think I think that's a really cool idea, and I think that if I knew more about like political theory, mm. I would probably write an essay on that. Mm. But I don't, so I'm encouraging any any uh, political minded, theorists yeah. out there. Please do, please, please write a journal essay on uh, this topic, please, because we can't articulate it. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please do it for I don't, us. Well, yeah. I don't quite. I don't, I I'm sure there's much more like oh, material it's very, there. It's a very rich. That I just I can't access because I, I don't necessarily like understand. understand. It. I think it's yeah. a very interesting idea that the thing that's seen as dangerous isn't, for example, like a Lord Voldemort. It's yeah. like it's like this. Yeah, like a, a government body that yeah. is essential. Like by all accounts is following the rules but mm-hmm. they're still like in that way like posing a threat to the citizens which live like under it what other uh vampires do you find interesting well, only because as well we do have there is that like they're kind of forgettable but it's those two guys that carlisle no carlisle doesn't invite <laughs> oh the romanian yeah the romanian Dimitri and vladimir yeah <laughs> Because I can't remember what is their what their um, incentive is. Dimitri, hold on. So uh, get it because they they are on Twilight Wiki, so mm. get it up. But I think essentially it's that the and this is this is the part that I love because we get a hint of again like this literary heritage of it where like Stephanie Mayer like makes a reference essentially to Dracula yeah. where she's kind of like the Romanian coven in the 14th century which is meant to be where Dracula's from mm-hmm. is in charge is not is not the Volturi it's this Romanian coven and they are in charge and they the way that they lead they say is that they're like you know we were very open about the fact that we were vampires and we were going to kill everyone yeah that was it when we ruled everything came to us prey diplomats favour seekers such was our power but we never put on white hats and called ourselves saints we were honest about what we were yeah like and yeah this is this is what i mean is that like this is kind of a representation of kind of like a i don't want to say a monarchy necessarily but what's what's the word i'm trying to remember my um a level history when you have it's like the idea of like a state being ruled by like one person or like one family um there's a really common word for it that's just not coming to my mind right now. I'm sure the listeners are probably, like, screaming. Yeah. I'm probably like, yeah, that is what I'm thinking of. Um, but, like, right now, my brain is just not accessing that word. Um, Diarchy? I don't think it is that. Autocracy? Autocracy, yeah. that's the word I'm looking for. That's yeah. it. Like, like, so, like, the, the autocratic kind of feudal state of the Romanian coven, which is then overthrown by, yeah, this more, like... Uh, not not democratic but more like uh like more like a modern governmental system of like you know various hierarchies and like checks and balances um mm. 
uh, and kind of, yeah, th- this kind of system which overthrows the Romanian cover for becoming complacent. Yeah. Um, and is then like, you know, which theory, like, the- ethically, which is better? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, the Romanian coven, because they kind of wanted people to be like, yeah, we're vampires, run and hide. Yeah, bitches. get out of here. <laughs> we will eat you. Because essentially that that's the difference. Yeah. Um, and I'm just very, like, I just think it's a really interesting topic. And the Voltaro didn't even kill the two remaining Romanian, like, no, they members. Left they were just like, just... okay, we're in power now. You go and do whatever you want. Presumably... I don't know, like, sucking mad blood in Romania. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's still, yeah. I mean, they're still alive. But I feel like if I ran into so. them, like, if I ran into Edward, I probably would just think, like, I don't know, like, SoundCloud. I'm oh, not a SoundCloud rapper. I don't know, I would just think, sick boy. But if I ran into <laughs> Dimitri boy. and Vladimir, I'd think, oh my god, that's a vampire. They are I'm gonna get out. Vampires, those, vampires. Those are vampires. They, oh my yeah. god, when they come in in the film, and I was literally, like, cheering. Yeah. Like, yeah! my favourite they are a vampire's vampire because I love I like I just yeah like I say like I love the li- the literary heritage yeah, the heritage so that's like implied through it like I love the whole like I-, I-, I think I think I've kind of touched on it before but like Stephanie May just really just is not interested in any of her characters yeah. and like all of her characters are more interested than Bella mm-hmm. and we only ever see Bella yeah he's like, like got this like tunnel vision and you occasionally get glimpses into like the past <laughs> and it's like you're clearly so invested in this life and he, she keeps rewriting Twilight but it's mm-hmm. like why don't you write some of these backstories that are so fascinating yeah. <laughs> they are better stories um but anyway yeah the Volturi I think are cool and I think there's a lot of interesting stuff there for for someone else who's more like politically minded to unpack mm-hmm. um, <laughs> so please do that please 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 someone do it I would mm. love to read an essay on that um, so yeah there's, there's one thing that I'm coming up with here that I'm just kind of like skimming over my notes but like we've sort of touched on before but like the anatomy of vampires mm. which I think is very interesting here and like the way that like what because I said like in the intro that like you know, if you say sparkly vampire, it's the first time that the vampire's been reimagined, like, in the popular consciousness mm-hmm. since Dracula. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's very interesting, I think, to think about the idea yeah. of, like... Uh, so, like, what, like what, is, what is essentially the vampire? Because I think... I've mentioned before, obviously it's a fantasy. Um, but it's interesting in the way that it's not... You know, obviously there are a lot of things that go into it that... Um, kind of make us kind of subtly forget that this is a work of fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the kind of writing style and the kind of... The, the way that time is represented and stuff like that. Um, which I might get into in like, later, but anyway. Um, but also, like, the way that vampires, like, manifest, like, in their bodies. So they're not really presented as kind of, like, this supernatural being. They're presented as kind of, like... I think they're creatures... I think a lot of the time they are... Especially the Cullen family are creatures of taste. Like, <laughs> I, I think it is, they really. I love that. They're not supernatural, they're creatures, creatures of, of taste. taste. <laughs> <laughs> they are creatures of taste. Um, but I mean, Stephanie Mayer, in her um, intro to Life and Death, mm. describes them as superheroes. Um, not literally, mm-hmm. but <laughs> there's this sense that they're not like. They're, they're not like kind of this ineffable... Ma- they're not magical in this way. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, um, like, 
easily explained through science, which is where we get a lot of Carlyle being like, mm, well, I think it might be this. <laughs> what is Carlyle's theories? So, um, like, well, it's it's sort of, well, we're starting, like, it's sort of presented in mm. that, like, you know, they're meant to be hunters of humans, and kind of Edward goes on talking about, like, you know, everything about me is designed to draw you in. Um, like, he, like, smells really good, he obviously is super yeah. handsome, um, and, you know, he, he's super hot, he sparkles, which is meant to be another thing, which is meant to, like, attract people mm-hmm. to you like in terms of like it, and it's almost in like he speaks about it in like almost like evolutionary terms like there's a lot like this kind of sense that like the vampire ha- is like an evolution in kind of like like the evolution of man kind of thing like almost in, you know in, okay. you know in, like, you know in like x-men yeah you know, like the the mutants and stuff yeah like that. there's this it, like this implication which so it's described in squarely human terms really well yeah, kind of yeah i mean it, it's it's very much like like broad gestures right i'm, I'm with but you the way that it's described you can kind of get the sense that like this is something which has evolved which has evolved scientifically to hunt humans right um and obviously you know as if you could have run me yeah. all of that. super super strength mm-hmm. super speed essentially superhuman mm-hmm. and then there's also this this problem with uh the kind of superpowers the gifts yeah uh, which, the special <laughs> gift. which is which is the part where this theory kind of falls down yeah um because obviously Edward can Edward can read minds, mm. Jasper can alter emotions, mm. Alice can see the future, and so Carlyle's theory is that like whatever, that like the vamp the vampiric state, and this is a very like common trope in vampire fiction is like the vampiric state heightens whatever human you were yeah yeah whatever you were as a human it's kind of like heightened which is again like plays into this kind of like superhuman theory yeah. Um, and so, you know, the implication is that, like, Edward is particularly sensitive to <laughs> what? what people are thinking. Well, like, I guess he's just very intuitive, mm-hmm. I guess would be the implication. And so that's, like, heightened Alice. What about Jasper, of... then? Because Jasper's not exactly a barrel of laughs. No, like, <laughs> no but I think, the, I, think, I think it's kind of like... You know, have, you ever, have you ever met someone who's just, like, really, like, just charismatic and could just, like, take you along for the ride? You but know? that's not Jasper. No, but I think he's kind of, like... He has, like, when Bella's in his presence, he's, like, he's, apart from the fact that he's he a can, potential yeah. killing machine and has yeah. the worst control of all of them, when she's, when this isn't, when this isn't necessarily an immediate threat in their friendship, um, he's just one of those people who, like, makes you feel really comfortable. I he, guess he's, like, I think very... he is described as, as doing that, but, like, a, we don't, yeah, I guess so. I guess in his human life when he wasn't so racked with like he must have been a confederate for... that would have been nice to have been around. I mean, we'll get it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a questionable backstory, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure there were some nice ones, and I think the implications of the Jasper was one. Jasper was a just as a man, he was a he was probably kind of nice. Probably kind as of a, nice. Probably everything else that he stood for. Ah! Well, like I mean, if. If we're looking at the history, like, it probably would have been drafted, so it wouldn't necessarily have been his, yeah. his choice. Anyway, we won't go into that absolute mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> in an area of history that, like, I'm, I'm not super confident uh, no. on. I did have, like, I did have um, a phase that I went through where I got really into, like, 
spaghetti westerns and like i love a spaghetti western super super into the american civil war <laughs> when i was like 17 mine was um, mine was squarely into like watching zorro movies even yeah. the bad ones even the bad Zorro's ones great Zorro's i great. Really love zorro um but yeah i don't feel like i don't feel like i that was sufficient for me to comment on yeah. Jasper's political statement anyway yeah um i think the implication is that yeah he's he's just very he's um He's good with people. He's good with people. Like, <laughs> Let's leave it at that. He's good with people. Alice is potentially, like, you know, a little bit psychic. Mm-hmm. Um, so they bring these things into, into the present. And then... But then you get... So it's kind of like, okay, well, this isn't necessarily magic. This is sort of like, you know, again, like, this kind of heightened, maybe it could be potentially, like, you know, ev- ev- evolution, evolutionary... Evolutionary... kind of... Trait. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it could... You know, obviously it is magic, but, like, you know... Is, is is still like within that parameter but then you get a few, like you know then you get the girl who could electrify people yeah like, what shock people like, what? With, the, with a touch was she just like did she just rub loads of balloons on her in her human life <laughs> like, is, that, is, that, is that what she's saying she liked to grab electric fences yeah yeah, maybe that's, yeah. um and then there's yeah there's the the one who can like make you like see things that aren't there? Yeah, the guy Ben who can like manipulate the elements. Yeah, what? What? <laughs> if I was Bella, I would be pissed that I got Shield. Yeah, I would be pissed if I people would. can like people can actually play with like he like whip up a wind and like. I'd like Jasper's power more than Bella's. I would if I could pick any of the Cullens' powers. I would pick. Does Esme have anything? No. No, I don't think so. Rosalie doesn't. Emma I think, doesn't. Oh, it implies. Oh. Rosalie doesn't, does she? No, Rosalie she's doesn't. She's just hot. She's just <laughs> super hot. She's just hot. <laughs> <laughs> Emma, Emma, Emma? Bloody hell. Oh, write that. Emma and Rosalyn. I don't know. <laughs> um, There's like, hang on. I, while you're saying that, I'm just going to find this bit in the book because I just went over something and I. I just want to quote it but keep yeah. going because i think it's relevant to i can't yeah the um yeah like rosalie and uh, emma don't have any powers but their only power i guess is being just like the baddies of the cullen family like rosalie's just very <laughs> hot Emmett's, you know a bit of a he's like you oh know very God, masculine you imagine rosalie's instagram account today oh she would have been uh if only if i feel like I want Rosalie to rebel against Carlisle and be oh like, my I want to eat people I wanna... and I want to go on Instagram and I don't want to go to I school eat anymore. People. I want to adopt a human child <laughs> and I don't want to go to school anymore and I want to live with my fucking husband, please. This sucks. <laughs> God. And I don't want you fucking judging me about it. Okay, no, so there's a bit here and this is, I'm reading this from Life and Death. So this is with the, the, the names of the... Uh, like alternative. Oh, I forgot they'd all be they'd all be a uh, quote unquote gender swap. So, as well. so this is this is like theoretically like what they all brought into the next life, right? As as per Karine slash Carlisle's theory. Uh, right. So Karine brought her compassion. Ernest Esme brought her, his ability to love passionately, which is shit. That is a <laughs> shit. That's a terrible. Yeah. Terrible power. Um, <laughs> Eleanor, and it also like when it's you're reading it like as Esme, like when like. Edward's reading Esme's mind it just comes off in this really like frazzled desperation like he's just like oh my god I'm so happy for my son he's finally found someone oh my god like, so, I, 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 I love it like is this in the, is this what 
swap? Is that in the gender swapped one as well? The, like the. I. The, oh no! no you're saying that in in um. I don't. In I don't that, know. That, in that one, that's where like he's reading Esme's mind. She's like, I'm so happy for my son. I love him so much. No, I love this idea. Yeah, that's almost like son. almost like like brain fried housewife Esme. Like she's just like pouring like she's trying to pour like tea and just like pouring all over the floor. Carlisle just comes in and like takes off his like doctor's jacket, hangs it up, and is like, "Hello, darling." Walks out, presses a book in his bookcase. It opens up to this like terrifying like pocket three lab <laughs> where he comes in and pours two vials. <laughs> well, the thing is that like like it's described like Esme like almost never leaves the house. She doesn't like engaging in humanity. She's just like I just want to make a nice home for my family. And it's Italian like, food. Yeah, she's just like constantly like redesigning all of their houses because she's. <laughs> it's really bizarre. Um, so yeah, this is, this is that's her ability to love passionately. Um, <laughs> it's really make me laugh. Eleanor with Emmett bought his strength, which is again like kind of shit. Yeah, and that's already especially yeah. when Bella, Bella like, like ends up being really much stronger than him. Yeah, and like just is not strong in real life. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and can resist resist the uh, the allure of blood that we're shown as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Royal his dot 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 tenacity. So that's Rosalie, right? Tenacity. Dot 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 tenacity as well. So Stephanie. much shade. Yeah. So much God. shade. Rosalie. Um, or you could call it his pig-headedness. <laughs> Even as a man, she still gets. She still gets the sharp end of the she stick. She chuckled. That was Edward chuckled. But what's her name in this? Edith. <laughs> I love how you're more over halfway through. You're like, who the hell are these characters? (laughs) Well, this is the thing is that, like, Stephanie May makes point being like, the reason she wrote this book is Mm. because she was like, I want to prove that this has nothing. Because, you know, obviously there's a lot of backlash being like, this is very stereotypical gender. And she was like, I want to prove that it's absolutely no different (laughs) if they're different, if if it's completely gender swapped. And the reality is, it's it's completely different. (laughs) She's like, she gets to the end of the book and she's like, it's absolutely no different at all. See, ha ha ha. And it's like, it's so different. (laughs) Um, so Jessamine Jasper is very interesting she was quite charismatic in her first life able to influence those around her to see things her way now she's able to manipulate emotions of those near her calm down a room of angry people for example or excite a lethargic crowd conversely it's a very subtle gift Mm. she says (laughs) I see (laughs) so that's like that's that's Kareem's theory is that it's like brought Kareem Carlisle. Kareen um, is a <laughs> shit name. I don't know where well. it is. Kareen? Kareen? I don't know where to put... Where Karen? Karen? <laughs> Karen's theory. <laughs> Karen the... Karen as, a, Karen as a female Jesus figure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so, like, anyway, the point of this was is that there's a very interesting denomination um, when it comes to magic here, but also, like, vampire physiognomy is, like, very interesting. Um... And we should compare it at this point to the werewolves. Yes, the wolves. The wolves. I feel like the wolves often get overlooked. Yeah, I think they do. I and think... I'm and I'm a wolf fan. Are you I'm, I'm an big advocate. Wolf I'm an advocate fan. for wolves. You were so excited in your wolf Halloween costume that you sent me yesterday. Are you going as a wolf tonight? I think so. I think I'm either going to go as a wolf or I'm going to go as a slasher because <laughs> it got to this point. I was like, mm, we didn't make the Bowser costume, so. I'm just going to pick out. And I sent all my cosplays home with my parents because I was like, I don't need these up here. <laughs> so I can't even pull something that's actually good from uh, from my box. Well, I'm shit. looking forward to seeing it anyway. Um, but yeah, the wolves, which 
are not actually werewolves. No. Let's start with that. So they're actually shapeshifters, which we only find out brush over mm-hmm. in like the last chapter of Breaking Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, like definitely absolutely one of the more interesting points of the books is the the quellu legends that she gets told um and we just don't hear enough about them Mm -hmm. basically i'm trying to remember broadly but like they had this ability to shape shift and to like become spirit warriors that's it so they like become these spirit warriors and then that's how they used to like thwart their enemies and that was like really scary and then one time like one of them gets like trapped in this in the body of this wolf um and that's like how it all begins and then further down the line they come into contact with vampires and that's how like the gift is like is passed on and so they're not actually werewolves no they're shifters who happen to turn into wolves but werewolves do exist in this universe we get a very very brief allusion to that i think from arrow who's like you know they're not werewolves because werewolves only change by the cycles of the moon so is that implied that werewolves do exist? Werewolves do exist in this universe, yeah. These but just aren't these werewolves. These just aren't werewolves. Where are my werewolves? These are shapeshifters, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, the, I was just... This is what I was reading about mm-hmm. on that journal entry that I, I was reading when you came in. Mm. Um, because I'm writing my dissertation on Twilight, listeners, uh, I was pointed it in the direction of one of my teacher's old students who now has a PhD and studied lycanthropy in... Um, twilight and she i was reading one of her um uh essays that she was writing and there's um she makes a really good point that like like werewolves as like uh what's the word like a a metaphor for like puberty is obviously Mm. like very common um in terms of like associating like the 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 wolf with the child which is like destructive and passionate Mm -hmm. and like like is impulsive um versus like the the adult which is like the rational humor which is like capable of like you know making sensible decisions and stuff and these two are kind of like forced into one and that is kind of what the werewolf generally represents in like in very broad strokes in like in YA fiction um but like it's interesting in twilight because there's obviously like you know, if Jacob Jacob's obviously pitted against Edward, and the werewolves are pitted werewolves, the wolves are pitted against the vampires, mm. um, and so it kind of creates this kind of like, well, you know, the the werewolves are kind of like the the vampires are obviously like superhuman as we've discussed. Yeah, the wolves are also superhuman, and there's this, you know, there's a lot of rhetoric around, it, it, especially in New Moon when uh, Bella is like watching Jacob like kind of like go through this metaphor of puberty changing into like this werewolf where he keeps going through like all these growth spurts and stuff um and she describes how like huge he's getting and oh my god he's so big and he oh my god he's suddenly grown loads of hair and Mm -hmm. um and so like obviously he's like superhuman in the sense that he obviously poses an immediate threat to her like physical safety Mm -hmm. but he's also like less than human because he is part animal and obviously like control as we've kind of briefly touched on in this is is one of like a, a very big theme for these characters and mm-hmm. like self-control you see it in a lot of way fiction actually but like the idea of self-control um and you know se- like there's points at which you know it the you know edward and lose self-control Carlisle has amazing self-control. Yeah. Um, Sam Uli uses... The werewolf loses control and, uh, like, 
does violence against his fiance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this sense that like, the animal, like the wolf, um, in them is kind of less than human. Yeah. And so it kind of puts them in this, in this, it like puts the wolves and like, especially like Jacob's position in this real like sort of swinging pendulum between like kind of rational humanity and mm-hmm. like complete and utter like total depravity and violence. Which is interesting when you consider that all the wolves, like, you hear them in, like, you're in their heads at yeah. some point, and they think, like, normal people. They do. <laughs> and, like, yeah, <laughs> representations, like, in the films, like, when you're shown, you know, it's, like, similar to where they can all hear each other's thoughts, which I think is a very interesting comparison to, like, Edward. Is it implied that Edward has to hear everyone's thoughts all the time? Yeah. Okay. Kind there of like... you go, yeah. Well, I'm sure Jacob and him could talk about that. Like, I'm sure they could <laughs> yeah. burst something out about that. Yeah, like, have a lot in common. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, you both like the same girl. You're both, um... Why don't you two shack up? I mean, there's been a lot of, like, literature on, like, how gay they are for each other. Yeah. And how, like, Bella's just this pinpoint in the middle for them to, like, act out their homoerotic desires yeah. on. <laughs> um, which I really like. I'll, yeah. But I think, yeah, like, the, like it's just... And I, I mean, it has been posited, and I want to ask your opinion on this, mm. that this is kind of like a, a, a racial implication that, like, the animal is sort of like, you know, it's own like the wolf is only associated, obviously, with the Quelly, it's this Native American people, mm. and so like, and obviously, like, like I was just saying, like, there is this, there seems to be a more of a a danger. Not of of like completely like losing control with with the wolves. Yeah, and so like like because there is like a point where like <laughs> like someone describes him as like, as like I think it's Jacob himself who describes himself as like a big black monster, like referring to his wolf. Oh but my god, that can be very much taken out of context. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to think like, what is your opinion on like the representation of like the I people in Twilight? Do you think it is racialized? I also do think that, like, the... Obviously, like, the stories and the symbols and the mythologies are taken from, like, the actual Kelly people who receive no royalties for their representation of their mythologies in the book or the film. So I think it has real political, economic uh, repercussions for the, the decisions that she's made. And I do think that she did go... And I don't think she did it. I would say maliciously, but I do think she has written not a flag... Well, a a, a pretty racist portrayal of... um, Not extremely racist, not flagrantly racist. I do think... (laughs) Flagrantly, but not flagrantly. I will say I I think it is racialized, insensitive, and I do think one of the biggest issues is the representation of these actual mythologies to and, and the, these movies and these books are so successful and have earned so much money that um the Qualey people never saw which is i think the big the big the real thing that i i think actually um is mo- the most concerning mm. and that's that on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't really know i always like like because i know a lot of people like always like said it was like kind of problematic i never quite understood why from just having like read the book yeah like like obviously there are like hints of it but i don't think it's i don't want to say i don't think it's as bad as it could be mm. in terms of like literally the representation like literally just thinking about the representation in the books yeah, in the like, books okay yeah in the books i don't I, I don't think i don't think it's the worst 
possible representation that could you be. and me being like she did a soft racism yeah she did a soft <laughs> racism which is um, still racism but she did a soft ra- racism i think i can feel her concern for like i think she's trying to trying to yeah to portray these people i don't think, I don't she, think she, she did it oh yeah. no yeah. <laughs> um, well, i think i feel that she that was something that she was trying i think as well do. this 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 notion that she's he's um especially in considering the way that like sexual desire or is represented between um edward and jacob the way that he is shown to be kind of because like Edward kind like Edward is con- you know then, then sort of necking on and he's like stop and jumps away compared to Jacob's kind of like sexual aggression to the from one him constantly being naked in the films and in the and in the books and two like the way him kissing forcefully kissing Bella and like which is very fucked up also Charlie's reaction to that is awful <laughs> when Charlie's just like oh, oh, oh that's just bloody bad. like down, boys <laughs> yeah and it's like no Bella just got kissed without her consent by her best friend I also don't feel like she reacts enough to that either um, but I think um, Smea's decision to make him do that forcefully kiss her on the mouth I think amongst um, like you know, other representations of the of, of of wolves as being out of control and all the and all the rest of it, and sort of like hurting, constantly hurting their significant others, but being bound to them, but unable to be, unable to behave like kind of um, completely civilized, com- people, completely yeah. yes, civilized civilized men. Humans, let's say, yeah. <laughs> like in comparison to Edwards, like let's I will not lift finger on your body until we get married i think just seems racially charged to me yeah no it it definitely is i think there's something very interesting about like yeah like you were saying um jacob's comparative sexual aggression Mm. um because obviously like there's been you know a lot of like you know if, if we think about like where the kind of like uh, like wolf human story like has its roots like in terms of like general mythology then like Little Red Riding Hood is like the main one mm. and there's obviously so much about Little Red Riding Hood being like a kind of um, wh- like whether you read like the traditional Grimm's versions or whether you read like Angela Carter's versions yeah. it's always kind of like the wolf's presence is like this either external or internal um, uh, kind of uncontrollable drive towards like sexual yeah and like the wolf kind of presents this like like dangerous potentially dangerous should we say like masculine sexuality yeah this intrusion into the domestic which like yeah which which um little red riding hood only finds when she kind of wanders off the path yeah and so (laughs) you know like have it like when you think of it in those terms like edward is the definition of a path not just because he's fucking boring but also because he's like so like by the book Mm -hmm. like and like you know like i think it would have been a much kinkier story and in in a way it kind of has the kind of allusion to it if she'd have gone for um jacob who kind of yeah like you say like does present like this very kind of like aggressive in terms of like yeah not like aggressive in terms of like necessarily dangerous all the time but just like affronting sexuality yeah which like he she oh, can't he grabs ignore. he grabs her at a wedding as well do you know i'm like i don't know if that is in the books either but like uh, i don't yeah. think it is but i think i think 
it's very like Jacob in the books is so much nicer yeah. than Jacob in the films. They had to do a lot of work to make him a Taylor bit more of a dick. Yeah, yeah. Just because Edward is so much of an asshole. Taylor like, Lorne is such a bad actor as well, though. Not to not not to hate, but I don't think that Taylor Lorne. I don't think it's necessarily his acting that annoys me. It's, it's his voice. Yeah. Like, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's his acting. <laughs> it's so annoying. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the vocal part of his acting fucking it's just like, sucks. It sounds like his old voice is gone. Yeah. Do you want me to put you in the hospital? <laughs> like it's just like on the concert. Sorry, Taylor Lorna. Yeah, we love it. If you're listening, um, imagine. No shade. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so like, uh, I think, yeah, no, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Basically, basically, the wolves are very sexual I think yeah again that does present a danger to Bella and that yeah like I was saying earlier like how the sex between her and Edward never really happens no it kind of begins to encroach upon that in Jacob and that's when he kind of forcefully kisses her and mm-hmm. that's when it becomes like a threat and mm-hmm. it you know it it's this thing that really like affects their friendship yeah and then Charlie her father who is a police officer <laughs> is which is quite I think Looking at Law and Order, I think in the Twilight series would be really interesting, especially comparing like the Volturi to like Charlie. <laughs> I think I, again, if anyone wants to write an essay comparing the the sort of um, leg- <laughs> legislative power of like the Forks Police Department versus well, the Volturi, yeah. I would read the shit out. Well, of now it. that you've said that, I actually think it's quite interesting just just thinking about it that like most of the law enforcement seems to be directed towards containing the wildlife yeah. of forks and yeah. like how you know it's get, like whenever there's a vampire in town they're like oh my god it's another bear or like <laughs> yeah. oh there's a and it's like <laughs> yeah, there's been another animal attack and it's like Charlie gets all his people yeah. and goes out in search of them but the way that you can kind of align that with like the way that mm. the wolves are sort of presented yeah. as like law and order seems to in in this in this world um seems to to actively want to suppress this kind of like animalistic nature, which yeah. is something which is perpetuated by all the characters throughout the book. Yeah, that's like something that people accept in this world is that it's kind of like it's it's one has to be controlled. You have to be self controlled. Mm. That's that's the thesis, and I think it's really interesting. I was thinking about this. This isn't necessarily really relevant, but I think it's it's so it's so weird that that's so prevalent in so much. YA fiction, this idea of like being self-controlled. I know you haven't read it yet, but I, I keep telling Jamie to read the Sarah J. Mass. Um, yeah, you do. Akatar books. You do. I will and do it. There is such a heavy narrative of like having to control the inner beast and like like <laughs> having to be in control all the time. And th- this is mm. like like someone please write in and tell me why they think this is so problem because I really can't wrap my head around why in a book for young maybe it's because it is a book for young girls and the threat of teenage female sexuality Mm. is so potent in the minds of society that only narratives which purport this kind of level of self-control are acceptable to us I don't know I don't know if that's too much of a stretch to make but it is. It, I just think it is weird that it's so common. I think it's also, you know, like you said, marketed to to young girls who are 
at this point, I do honestly believe going, you know, going through quote unquote the important part of the schooling process, where you it's it's impressed upon you that like self control and like self management and stuff are essential skills to succeed in adulthood. Yeah. So like to see characters um, that you identify with or like desire want you know have have a desire to become exhibit this kind of like strength or bravery, not even strength or bravery, because very seldom I would say, well I would say they're they're brave, but they don't exhibit much strength i would personally say but they do have a lot it was so strong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they're, they're, like they do have a lot of actually i think bella is has a lack of self-preservation yeah she really does but very you know it, there is this real concern for self-control but there is it's, like it is all about sacrificing yourself for others yeah. and, and I mean, thinking it's, about it's others it's very and, christian but it's also very um interesting how like you know the last book were it not for the fact that they get married in the beginning, kind of allows them to brush over the fact that it's essentially a story about the ramifications of teen pregnancy. It is! Um, and, it, it is! And, yeah, like, no one, you know, thinks really thinks about, like, it's, it's kind of not presented in that way because, oh, by that point, she's kind of becoming a vampire, she's an adult, she's, you know, she's... Ex- experience this sexual experience and therefore she's kind of like a woman quote unquote we could probably describe every single twilight book with the ramifications of x like the first one the first book would be like the ramifications of dangerous driving (laughs) (laughs) the second would be like i don't know the ramifications of high school breakups i don't know what the third one would be that's breaking dumb the ramifications of the ramifications of accidentally killing someone's boyfriend it, yeah, it in a, them to start uh, an, uh, an army yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess like I was gonna say well I was gonna say like fidelity yeah because there's like a lot of I mean if that's where like that's the moment where things between Jacob and Bella kind of become very complicated yeah. and it's also it kind of pa- runs parallel to the storyline of Victoria who's kind of like seducing Riley yeah. who's not you know the love of her life because she's so revengeful so I guess there is something about fidelity there and then we get Jasper's little backstory where he's talking about how he was yeah. like essentially groomed into that um, in situation with those two vampiric women mm. which is supposed to my, uh, mirror Matt Riley's I think is that how it went? that's how it <laughs> I can't even remember they're like yeah, he is essentially groomed. Yeah, into, because he can control and, their emotions. Yeah, he like is kept as like their leader slash lover of Maria. Why does he get kicked out again? He leaves. Oh, he just goes. He decides to leave. Yeah, he chooses. Good for him. He chooses another. He chooses another Good for him. Life. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think I, I just want to touch on the ramifications of dangerous driving. Just briefly, because <laughs> it is interesting, the motif of the Volvo. I feel like I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I probably forgot. But, like, you know, the Volvo is such... It's, it's a character in its own right. It's constantly mentioned. I don't know if I ever saw my boyfriend's car. I could, I could name it as being a Volvo or not. No. Bella knows the Volvo. I don't know. But she, <laughs> she constantly refers to it. She but loves like, cars, doesn't she? She loves, like, the... It's like... Her Chevy. Her Chevy. She loves her... She loves the motorbike moment she has she keeps getting on motorbikes yeah she loves it <laughs> she absolutely oh my god grease monkey but like she... bella <laughs> but the volvo um as a as a motif as a representation of like a family a safe 
typical family vehicle, mm. which is kind of like caught in this kind of... Um, it's made almost abject in the sense that it's like... It's meant to represent this kind of like, oh, normal, safe family car you know completely yeah. ordinary nothing to see here and that's why they drive it and not rosalie's like flesh rosalie's really into mechanics i sorry i just remembered this she is like the mechanic of the family we have she goes and just gift. works on her ca- her car Love she's that. like she's like when she's stressed she's like i'm just gonna go work on my car <laughs> she goes i gotta get out of here some mechanic stuff i, I think it's really cool but um anyway yeah um but yeah made out because it's this family car that's meant to help them blend in and that they apparently, like, chose deliberately to exude this kind of, like, normal family lifestyle. Mm, mm. Um, but it's obviously, like, too flashy for... Like, what, you you couldn't just buy, like, a second-hand car? Like, they had to no. buy new. Again, they are materialistic. Like, I don't care what you say, Bella. They do care about money. Yeah, um, <laughs> they do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but, like, it's, yeah, abject thing. Because it's it's too flashy and kind of like it it's it's still out of place for being this kind of shiny new car, which is meant to represent safety, but obviously carries a truckload of vampires, which Edward is constantly speeding in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just think I just think I just think that's an interesting. Well, like Emmett's jumping on the roof and stuff, and it's like, oh my god, the, cr- the poor I, Volvo. I can't decide whether I love or hate that moment in the film where like they where they ride and Emma's just stood up in the back <laughs> yeah. of his jeep. Like, <laughs> No reason. It is white hoodie. <laughs> she she oh, lay. Emma. Emma. <laughs> the costume department really did him dirty. They, they did. did. They, they dressed him like Everyone shit. else looked great. <laughs> it just looked like shit. And it's not bad looking. I don't know who the actor is, but I don't think he's necessarily awful no, looking he's, at all. I think he's quite a good Emmett. Good looking like, young yeah, man yeah, for an Emmett. Young man. They gave him those clothes. Yeah, <laughs> a white hoodie. The all white ensemble. Oh, <laughs> like oh, the, the white zip up and the wife beater. He, he, do, he looks terrible. <laughs> it's like, just such a bad fit. And all the jewellery. Like he's got like massive bracelets on. <laughs> I remember when that came out in 2008 and I was like, I, don't, I remember being like, that looks shit. Yeah. I, that was when that stuff was meant to be cool. It does look like shit. <laughs> yeah. It truly does. Oh, God. Anyway, I'm just <laughs> stop taking this off. Right, we're back, listeners. We had a brief <laughs> conversation about how we're going because we've got so many notes. And we're already on the two-hour mark. Yeah. So what we've decided is we're going to do a Twilight Part Two. Mm-hmm. So um, basically, we're going to come back for that. Wrapping up thoughts for this is basically shit's crazy. Shit, <laughs> shit's crazy. And fun. This is a, we're so bad at <laughs> outros. Yeah, I, I don't know how to, we don't know how to wrap it up other um, than a. Uh, it's also going to be so janky because it's going to be like we've finished on a thought and then we're going to be like, right, we're back and we're not doing any more. <laughs> I don't know. I thought we ended on a pretty solid. Like, you know, we were talking about the ramifications. I don't think we did the... Or I don't think we got to the ramifications of Eclipse. So did viewers, if you... if you No, we did because that was the ramifications of Fidelity. Oh, okay. But anyway, we'll talk more about that in the next episode. I'm not even going to try and imagine when that's going to come out. Yeah. But it will come out. It will so come Dracula. out. But next time we'll do Twilight Part 2... Um, I mean, we didn't do any prep for this, so there's no reason that we would need to prep for the next one either. So exactly, <laughs> we'll just be. Hopefully, we'll be back soon. In the meantime, um, email in. You can always email in as per on um, 
the vampire book club at gmail.com please it will do be in the show notes please do oh my god i was looking we're still like even though we've been gone for like months we've still we've still had like 300 listeners over the last month so you are out there please tell us so like our thoughts on that you... yeah, yeah on that. <laughs> tell us what you think we want to know um so yeah email us um more about uh your thoughts twilight um or just just the podcast in general doesn't have to be related to what we've said you can tell us how shit we are please don't do that um, <laughs> <laughs> or you could t- t- uh send us an email about dracula because we will be doing that again soon yes and in the meantime happy halloween stay spooky stay spooky and we'll see you soon bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs>